Ronan Keating sang, Life is a Roller Coaster. And we'd probably agree with that. If we think about one day in our life, let alone the whole sum of our life, there can be so many ups and downs, high points, and then moments when we really struggle. And we have certainly been able to see that that was the case with Joseph. If you think about the story that we have been looking at so far, as it's recorded in God's Word in the book of Genesis, there was the low of a difficult start for Joseph in life. He was born into this dysfunctional family, as we've been describing them, a family that was divided and a family that was full of jealousy and infighting. But then there was the high of his favored position within that household, that for Jacob, Joseph really was the son that he hadn't had so far. He was the apple of his eye. But even that led to a downfall and, and another low point for Joseph because it produced real jealousy from his brothers, so that he was literally as low as he could get, below ground as he landed in a pit and then was sold into slavery. And from there, there's the, the high point of Potiphar's house. Once again, God bringing Joseph to the place where he wants him to be, so that Joseph rises to the head of that household. No one else is more important in the household of Potiphar than Joseph. But then all of that is undone, and there's another massive low for Joseph again, thanks to Potiphar's wife and her false accusations, which, as we ended the story last time, landed Joseph in prison. It is, as you look at this story, like being on the Big Dipper at Barry's. You can be up near the sky one moment, and then you're plunged right down to the ground in just a second. So that as we read those verses at the end of chapter 39, we saw another upturn in the life of Joseph. We're told that the Lord was with him. If you look at verse 21, looking at your Bibles again, and Genesis 39. That seems to be a repeated phrase, and it's certainly a key phrase in this story. The Lord was with him, so that now in prison, once again, Joseph comes to the fore, and he rises right to the top of the, the kind of hierarchy of prisoners. He's put in charge of the other prisoners. And can you notice the similarity between the end of the chapter and how the chapter begins? That we're told in verse 23 that in this prison setting, the warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And that sounds reminiscent of the situation in Potiphar's household, as it's summarized back in verse 6, where we're told that with Joseph in charge, Potiphar did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. And it's really important for us to see that the common link in these two factors or these two moments in this chapter, that God was in charge, that the Lord was in control, and He was with Joseph, and He was guiding Joseph. And here's a key thing for us to understand. Here is a motivation to good living 
as believers in Christ, that the Lord took Joseph's godly character, and He used that to enable Joseph to rise to the top, to win favor, and to bring glory to God. But today, as we hit the pause button on this story for a few moments, and as we consider all of the highs and the big lows that there have been in such a short life, this seems like a good time to to just stop in our look at Joseph's life and to reflect on the great truth that we are thinking about from the Scriptures alongside this story of Joseph's life. If you like, this is the theme verse for this series, looking at Joseph and his dysfunctional family, a verse that actually comes from the New Testament and Paul's letter to the Romans. Look again with me, please, at Romans 8 and verse 28. Paul tells us, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. This great biblical truth, this great Bible idea that God rules and He overrules in the circumstances of life, and that those who are His people in Christ are under His guiding and His protecting hand. I once read of a a pastor who had great experience in life and in ministry. And after he had pastored a church for a number of years, because of, of his academic ability, he went into a position teaching in a Bible college, and he was there for about 20 years. And he was a really intelligent man. He was a sharp man. And during his time teaching theology, he became accustomed to answering really difficult questions from his students and answering them on the spot. But then he returned again to pastoral ministry. He was in a congregation, and soon after he arrived, there was a terrible tragedy within the fellowship, and he was in the home where this tragedy had taken place. And the mother in the home turned to him, and she said, Pastor, tell me this. How can what has happened to me and my family possibly work for our good? And this is a verse that I've read on many occasions in many situations during my years of ministry. And in some of those situations, it has been tragic beyond belief, honestly. And it's a verse that many of us who are believers in Christ want to showcase to those around us, not least through social media. I see it often shared. But how do we possibly make sense of this verse? How do we possibly come to terms with this truth and then the reality that we see going on around us when we experience illness or bereavement or we see a loved one wandering away from us and from God? When we go through tough times in life and at the moment when we think about our brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine who Mark was praying for a few moments ago, when we try and imagine what it must be like for them, how is it the case that all things 
are working for the good of those who love the Lord, that that's what God can do. Well, let's look very briefly together at what we read here in Romans chapter 8. If you turn to that passage with me for a few moments. And verse 28, this verse that you can see in your Bibles or see on the screen, like any verse that we love and cherish in the Bible, has to be read in context. We need to read it within the setting that it appears in the Bible. We need to read and understand the verse in the overall message that the Bible presents to us. And with that in mind, as we think about this verse today, the key phrase for us, given what we're looking at as we look at the life of Joseph, is in all things. Do you notice that Paul says that? We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. Not just the the nice and the pleasant and the easy things that happen to us in our lives. And certainly when you look at the passage and the chapter in which this verse appears, you get a sense from Paul that the Christian life is not an easy one. In fact, that's one of the great things about Scripture, that it does tell us the truth. And Paul does not shy away from the truth that there will be suffering in this life for those who follow Christ, that there will be disappointments and problems and difficulties along the way. So that if you scan down through this chapter, verse 17, Paul tells us, we will be glorified with Christ if we share in His suffering. Or verse 18, Paul explains that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. But the implication is clear that there is and there will be suffering right here, right now. Or when you go down to verse 35, and it begins to list the problems and the hardships that these believers whom Paul is writing to are experiencing, and they're listed their tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword. But then comes the promise in verse 37. And I want you to notice that the promise is not that in Christ we will avoid all of these difficult things, but rather that in Christ we will overcome and conquer them. And so, looking at all of this helps us to begin to understand verse 28 more fully, because this is what the all things that Paul mentions in verse 28 includes. All of these painful circumstances, all of this suffering that Paul lists in chapter 8 are used by the Lord for the good of His people. But how could that be the case? We identify with the mum in that home who asked the pastor, what's that verse all about? How can that verse be the case in my life and my family's life right here and right now? Well, remember the good that God is working in the lives of His people. If you look at verse 29, because the truth is that Romans 8 verse 28, as precious a verse as it is, it cannot be read 
and understood in isolation. We need to continue in verse 29, where Paul says, for those God foreknew, He also predestined. It's really a way of saying, those who God chose to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. That was the purpose for choosing them, so that they would become just like Jesus. It's all about Christ-likeness. And God believes, and therefore we should believe, that there is nothing that is better than that. There's nothing more good in our lives than being just like Jesus. And I wonder today, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, do you take Him at His word? Because as we return to Genesis for just a few moments, there we see Romans 8 verse 28 worked out in the life of this young man, Joseph. Because it wasn't the case that the Lord somehow used the good moments and the good things in Joseph's life to counteract the bad things so that everything just about evened out and he had an okay life. That's not what this is about. It's not the case that the Lord used the easier times for the good of Joseph, and then he just about got him through the difficult times. No. What we see in this story is that the Lord used all of the circumstances that Joseph went through, from the palace to the pit, from Potiphar's house to the prison cell. He used it all to bring about good for Joseph and to bring about good for all of his people. And we'll find out how that happens in the coming weeks. So that right at the end of this story, as Joseph looks back over his life and as he reflects on his life with his brothers, Joseph is able to say to them, if you look at Genesis 50 verse 20, he's able to say, as for you, this is his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And this is Joseph preaching Romans 8 verse 28 before it was even written. What a God we serve. And today we are able to see the ultimate example of this at the cross of Christ. So that later in Acts chapter 4, when believers in Jesus were praying together in the city of Jerusalem, they, the disciples prayed this to the Lord. They pray in Acts 4 verse 27, in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And this is the disciples acknowledging and praying to the Lord. They're saying, Lord, you're sovereign. You're above all other people. Only you could do what we see evidence of you doing in this situation, that what they meant for terrible evil, wanting to put your, 
your, your perfect sinless son to death. What they meant for evil, you meant it for good. To bring about your salvation plan, to bring about the rescue of your people. And as we think about this today at the end, well, what immense power. As, the, as we sing with the kids, it is amazing what the Lord can do. And what immense love that God would go to such lengths involving His own Son in order to save people like you and me. Have you found that salvation, that rescue, and that that new start with God and Christ? Because if you, you have, what immense hope for us here today. But in the middle of pain, in the middle of suffering, in a time of loss, and some of you are experiencing these things today, this can be hard for us to see, and this can be hard for us to believe. But today, in coming to Jesus, in trusting in Jesus, if you are then one of God's people in Christ, then the Lord says that this is a promise for you. And He asks you, He calls you to rest on that promise, to trust His Word fully, to know that in your life, in both the pleasant times and the difficult times, all of these circumstances are being taken by a perfect God and used for your ultimate good, used for your Christ-likeness, used so that one day you will be with Jesus and just like Jesus. Hallelujah, what a Savior, and what an awesome, sovereign God we serve today. Trust in Him. We're going to